You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. In this one, it's some of my early thoughts ahead of game week five. So I'm going to go through some of the watches players as well as the notes that I made for the weekend's games. If you do enjoy the video, make sure to give it a like and hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And if you want to get a sense check of how your team is looking over the international break, or if you're thinking of wildcarding or something like that, you can get your team rated for free over on Fancy Football Hub. Links in the description below. And if you want to use all the other tools that are on offer as well, there's a seven day free trial at the moment so make sure to give that a go links in the description below so the first player I'm going to talk about is Kieran Trippier and I think the Newcastle defense is a pretty interesting discussion because we knew the fixture swing was coming in game week five I spoke about that last week and in pre-season and okay Brentford at home is maybe not a fixture you need to go out and target but after that the games look pretty good but they haven't kept a clean sheet yet They've just conceded three goals to Brighton. Their Champions League group is looking pretty tough. And some people are even worried that Trippier might be rotated as well. So there's a lot to think about. In general, for me at least, fixtures are king. Yes, we can talk about form and all that stuff. But fixtures often brings that form. And the games that Newcastle have had so far have been pretty tough. Like if we look at the first four game weeks, they've played pretty attacking teams every single week. So Villa at home game week one, Man City away game week two, Liverpool at home in game week three, and Brighton away in game week four. None of those fixtures, apart from maybe Villa at home, are ones that I would have expected them to get a clean sheet anyway. So I know people are now saying, well, the Newcastle defence doesn't look that good, and this is the problem, this, is, this should be changed and stuff like that. But ultimately, if you looked at that fixture run in game week one, how many clean sheets were you expecting anyway? And are we now making excuses for why the defence looks bad, whereas in fact they've just had really hard games against very good attacking teams. The other thing that kind of doesn't worry me as much as maybe it's worrying other people is looking at the stats. Now against Villa it wasn't great, 1.9 expected goals conceded uh, for that game alone, but since then against City it was 1.09, it was 0.95 against Liverpool, and to be fair in that game they were doing really well up until the red card, 
It was almost like Liverpool played better once they were down to 10 men. So it's a bit of a weird game to analyse anyway, but still, they conceded twice, but only 0.95 expected goals conceded. And it was 1.42 against Brighton away. So for those three fixtures, City, Liverpool and Brighton, it's 3.46 expected goals conceded total. That is pretty good considering the games, or sorry, the teams that they were playing. So I'm not particularly worried from that that aspect. And if we look at the fixtures that are coming up, Brentford at home doesn't need to be targeted. If you're happy with your defence this week and you don't want to make a Newcastle uh, defender transfer, that's absolutely fine. But then it's Sheffield United away, good fixture. Burnley at home, good fixture. And then West Ham away, Crystal Palace at home, and Wolves away. They're not guarantees of clean sheets, but that's not usually a fixture run for a defender that we'd be that concerned about. So I still think... The clean sheet uh, potential is definitely there for Newcastle. With the Champions League group, it is one of the toughest they could have got for sure. I think people are maybe exaggerating the amount of rotation there will be for Newcastle. Because yes, of course they want to do well in the Champions League. But they also want to finish top four in the Premier League. And we've seen plenty of players in the past play on the weekend, then midweek, then weekend, week, uh, midweek, weekend, etc. And I know they've bought Liveramento, and it means at some point they could give Trippier a rest, but he could absolutely just play all the Premier League games and all the Champions League games. Maybe he just starts coming off a little bit earlier instead. So I'm not as worried as other people about Champions League. He is 6.5 million though, and if you're going to struggle to get to him, Maybe it's not worth the cost for your team. Maybe you should look at someone like Fabian Scher or Botman if he's back after the international break. So it doesn't have to be Trippier. Uh, but I'm not massively worried about that rotation. Like I said, I think it's being exaggerated a little bit. The other thing to talk about is his attacking output so far. No goals, no assists. He's put up 0.18 expected assists per 90, which is way down on last year. But again, you come back to those fixtures... A lot of those teams are pretty good defensively as well. Like, I know people laugh about the Liverpool defence, but actually they haven't been that bad so far this year. It was an away game against Brighton. Man City is always going to be tough to get goals against as well. So, yeah, okay, they scored five goals in game week one. They didn't get any returns, but that's just one game. So, again, you look at the fixtures going forward, and I think they're fine. The other reason that I'm kind of keen on Newcastle defender is it's not like there's a huge amount of other defenders that are standout options. Like, if you look at my current team, I've got Saliba. Okay, Everton away is fine. I'm happy with Chilwell against Bournemouth away. And Udogi against Sheffield United at home is absolutely fine this week. But after that, Spurs have got Arsenal away, Liverpool at home, not expecting a clean sheet. Saliba has got to play Spurs at home, not expecting a clean sheet. In game weeks 8 and 9, it's Man City at home, Chelsea away. Wouldn't expect clean sheets in those games either. And obviously, I can rotate these defenders... But lots of them have got bad fixtures coming up. SGP Nyan is Man United away this week. Going to be difficult to get a clean sheet. Bournemouth at home is good. But then it's Villa away, Liverpool at home, Man City away. So again, really hard to get clean sheets in all of those games. And, and Trent is someone that I could look at. But I think because of the cost of him right now, he's not someone I can go to. Maybe from game week nine onwards, I'll consider that. But I'm not really thinking about it up until then. So Newcastle kind of just cover a run of bad fixtures for other players. So if, you know, if Chilwell, Saliba and Estepina had a great run of fixtures, they were looking really attacking, really solid defensively, then yeah, there wouldn't really be a need for a Newcastle defender. But right now, there doesn't feel like a huge amount of standout. So is Trippier a guarantee to get as many points as last year? Possibly not. Will Champions League be an issue? It could be, right? But I don't think it's enough to put me off. So as it stands, I'm still thinking about bringing him in. But I completely agree that game week five is not an essential 
time to have them, especially if you've got a defense like mine. Doggy's good this week, Saliba's good, and I'm never going to want to bench Chilwell anyway. But from game week six onwards, I'm going to want Newcastle defense, I think. So let's be honest, if you score a hat-trick on the weekend, you're almost certainly going to get discussed in the early thoughts video on a Monday. So let's talk about Son at Spurs. And there is a bit of knee-jerking going on here. It's similar to the Sterling situation last week. Had Son played number nine and scored just one goal against Burnley... He still would have been talked about, but not to the level he's going to get discussed over the international break. But him playing number nine is new information that we have. That wasn't happening in the previous three games, and we should take note of that. Some people have said, well, hang on, Rashford was playing a striker. Everybody wanted him to move to the left. And now Son, who scored lots of FPL points playing on the left, has suddenly moved striker, and all of a sudden everyone's excited about it. I do think there's some nuance to that discussion Yes, Son has done very well on the left before, but often he comes into more central positions. And I think Son is good at lots of things, but his key attribute is scoring goals. He's such a good finisher, you want him in those central positions. Whereas under Ange Postacoglu, that left winger is often staying quite wide, providing the width on that side of the pitch. That's not really what you want Son to be doing. Now, it is just a very small sample size. Maybe Postacoglu would have changed things around if Son plays on the left again. But I do think it's important that he's now potentially going to continue to play central moving forward. And also, we haven't seen it for a long time because obviously Harry Kane was so good and off, and basically played every time he was fit. But we have seen Son play number nine in the past while Kane has been injured. And he's always been very good at it. So I am quite excited about him playing in this position. I look at the fixtures and part of me thinks I need him for Sheffield United at home. That's such a good game. But straight away after, it's Arsenal away and Liverpool at home. And I gave up the opportunity of going for Madison in favour of going for Sterling instead because of those fixtures. So can I now knee-jerk that much and get Son in? Possibly not. So part of me thinks getting for Sheffield United is too good to turn down. He's playing number nine. He might be on penalties. But then I also think if I don't get him for that game and he only gets like one goal or one assist... And then I see Arsenal away Liverpool at home. I'd be quite glad not to own him. And also, I've not locked this in yet, but I'm thinking about wildcarding in game week nine. So I could potentially avoid him for game week five, not worry about the Arsenal and Liverpool games, and then just maybe take a one-week punt in game week eight against Luton away before wildcarding uh, him back out. Now, it might be that I decide to keep hold of him, but obviously I can make that decision at that point. Like, I know what people will say about the fixtures. Arsenal and Liverpool might play a slightly higher line because they're better teams. That, obviously, is in Son's favour. And I agree with that line of thinking. It could happen. Look at Rashford, for example, against Arsenal. But they are also just tougher games, right? And they're not really games that I would usually look to target. So I'm in two minds right now. Obviously, there's still like 11 or 12 days until the deadline anyway. Thoughts could definitely change. But there's also that thinking that this guy's done incredibly well as a number nine before. We know how good he is at scoring goals. Spurs are creating a lot of chances, especially with James Madison there. And if he is on penalties, that's hard to turn down for 9.1 million, even with the fixtures they've got. Just on the penalty situation... Ange Postacoglu did talk about it. Son was the first name he mentioned. And then he said something like Madison and Richarlison are all in the mix as well. So it does seem like Son's probably going to be the number one, then Madison. And obviously, if Son is playing number nine, Richarlison's probably not on the pitch anyway. So he's not really much of an issue. So you combine all those things, and I think Son is going to be a really good pick. But I do think if you can get away with Sheffield United at home... You then probably don't need to worry about him until game week eight onwards. Obviously, the other good thing about Spurs is they've got no Europe or anything like that, so fully rested every single week. There's a lot to like about him, but right now I'm not thinking that he's essential 
but that might change. A lot of it comes down to a similar conversation I spoke about with Trippier. There are just so many good midfielders right now. And look, when you've got no injuries and no suspensions, you can move them around. But eventually, you're going to have to just rely on the players you've got because there's going to be other fires to put out. So with my my team, I've got Saka, Sterling and Bermo, Fernandez, and Rashford. Now, the easiest move would be Rashford to Son, but I've actually got 2.2 million in the bank. So I could potentially take out Sterling and put Son in, but that feels incredibly knee-jerk. I bought him in after Luton. He was unlucky, I would say, not to return against Forest. Now he's got Bournemouth away, which on paper is a pretty good fixture. And okay, Son's fixture is better, but after that, that's not the case, right? Arsenal and Liverpool, whereas Chelsea have got Villa at home, Fulham away, and then it's Burnley away. Now, don't get me wrong, Son on penalties playing number nine, much better than Sterling, I would say. I don't think I would argue against that. But because of the fixtures, it's probably quite close. And I'm not too keen on selling Rashford either. Because since he's moved back to left wing, he's got two assists and one goal. And it's not like Arsenal away was an easy game either. And it is going to get better for Man United now. Brighton at home. Then it's Burnley away. That's a great fixture to target. Look what Spurs just did to them. Palace at home. Brentford at home. Sheffield United away. So we're going to... I've said this on stream yesterday. We're going to have this problem all season. Because players are so accessible. Because all the prices are so cheap. There's always going to be that kind of desire to move on to the next thing. The grass is always going to feel greener. But in this situation, I'm not sure if I need Son, especially with the two fixtures afterwards. So it's one of those that I definitely wouldn't argue against him. But right now, I'm not sure I'm going to buy him. But that could change over the next 10 days. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So speaking of hat-tricks, we've got to talk about Evan Ferguson, the teenager with the hopes of a nation resting upon his shoulders and probably going forward, the hopes of a few FPL managers as well. The guy is incredible. He's almost certainly going to be Brighton's next £100 million plus player. But is he worth it in FPL? Possibly. It's all going to come down to the minutes. And we have this conversation about a lot of players. When they get minutes, they're great. But it's not always easy to kind of predict that. So I would put Ferguson in that category. Diaz, Nunez, Jota, Foden, Alvarez. If you think they're going to get regular game time, they are great FPL options, especially if they've got the fixtures as well. And obviously, Ferguson is only 5.9 million. He's actually dropped in price since the start. But part of that is because he didn't play the first two games. Danny Welbeck started instead. And maybe part of the reason that Ferguson played against Newcastle was because Welbeck wasn't available. Like, we're never going to know that. But that could be one of the reasons. And that would worry me a little bit. We saw last season that he was managed. We've got to remember the guy is still very young. He's only 18. Last year, he only played 90 minutes once. And that was the last day of the season. Now, it's encouraging that already he's played 90 minutes in game week three against West Ham. And I'm sure if they weren't winning comfortably against Newcastle, he wouldn't have come off in the 80th minute. So that is good. But is that going to continue as we move over to game weeks five, six, seven, eight, etc.? That almost sounded a little bit like, uh, was it steps? Five, six, seven, eight, yeah, a little bit. Anyway, we'll move on from steps. Is that something to think about? Definitely. I mean, if Welbeck is still out, then you would expect Ferguson to start. 
it's not impossible that maybe Zhao Pedro could play number nine and Ansu Fati could come in maybe in that number 10 role or something like that. But I think if Welbeck is out, Ferguson almost certainly starts. But then the fixtures aren't that good anyway. Like Man United away this week. I mean, to be fair, Brighton will probably score in that game. And in fact, they could probably score in most games. But on paper, in the next five matches, they got United away, Villa away, Liverpool at home, Man City away. It's not great. The best fixture is Bournemouth at home in game week six. And look, he is only 5.9 million. So maybe that enables you to do other kind of moves that you might want to make. Maybe you want to bring Salah in or keep him or whatever it might be. But I'm not sure there's enough now to warrant a use of a transfer with the fixtures they've got coming up and the worry over minutes. Bearing in mind that between game weeks five and six, Europa League also starts as well. So I think the chance of him getting to 90 minutes that often is probably quite low. And also, if you think him and Jao Pedro are going to start regularly, Ferguson probably has a bit more open play goal threat, but Jao Pedro is also on penalty. So there's something there to consider as well. So I think Ferguson is great. And I know from living in Ireland, everyone that kind of follows the football has got massive hopes for him. And I'm really hoping he can fire them into a tournament soon. I'd love to see that happen. But for FPL, I'm not sure it's quite there. The underlying numbers are really good. I mean, so far this season, it's 1.14 expected goals per 90. Obviously, that's a very small sample. But if you look to last year, the numbers are really good as well. So I checked them out on Fantasy Football Hub because you can go back to kind of previous seasons. And as always, if you want to check this out for yourself, links in the description below. And for 2022-23... He was putting up 0.51 non-penalty expected goals per 90 and 0.11 expected assists. That is very good for such a young player. And that is promising kind of moving forward that he's already putting up those kind of numbers. So if he does get the minutes, he will be great. But I just think with the fixtures they've got and the amount of players they have to kind of rotate and Europa League starting up soon, I'll probably avoid him for now. But in the future from game week 10 onwards, I will be looking at him again. So another young striker to talk about is Rasmus Hoyland, who made his debut for Man United against Arsenal yesterday. And a few people have already asked me whether or not I think he's worth bringing in. Now, obviously, it's very difficult to analyse his performances because we've only seen him for 20 to 30 minutes against Arsenal. And that's one of the most difficult fixtures Man United will have all season. But there were glimpses of what he's going to offer. He seems to have a more physical presence up front than someone like Martial. There was a bit of a battle going on with Gabriel. Sometimes he won, sometimes he lost. But that's going to stand him in good stead for the other Premier League defenders he's going to come up against. He's fast, and we know that Man United want to play in transition, so that's helpful. And also his link-up play seemed pretty good as well. For the Garnacho goal that was unfortunately ruled off for off, uh, ruled out for offside, it was Casemiro that made the pass, but it was Hoyland that flicked it onto him in the first place. He was involved in that build-up for that goal so there are positive signs in terms of finishing shot selection and stuff like that we haven't seen enough to really say but we know he scored goals for Atalanta last season so there are encouraging signs I would say this is a little bit like Nicholas Jackson he's had one really good season in kind of the top level and now he's moved straight to the Premier League he's very young he's very inexperienced in general there are going to be times where he gets easy chances and uh, misses them. If you want to bring him straight into your team, I've got no issues with that whatsoever. But it is a bit of a punt at the moment. And if you're happy to accept that, that's fine. Right? FPL is supposed to be fun. And especially if you're a Man United fan that wants to bring him in, there's no reason that you shouldn't look at doing that. I think his minutes will be pretty good moving forward. I think Martial is a bit of competition, but the guy is never fit. And maybe that would be a bit different if he's not having to play all the time. But Hoyland is going to be the main number nine there. So in that regard, I think it's decent. The fixtures are quite good as well. Like Brighton at home, Burnley away. Then Palace at home, Brentford at home and Sheffield United away. There are way worse fixture runs that you could look to target. 
But do you need to bring him in right now? Definitely not, right? I mean, I've got Jackson with Bournemouth away. There's no reason to take him out. But if I wanted to take a punt, I had no other moves to make. I would maybe at least consider it. The main thing that I would say with him is he helps the other Man United players, especially Fernandes and Rashford, which are the two attackers that most people would be looking at for FPL. Hoyland playing up front means uh, Rashford on the left. That is better for him. It also gives him someone to kind of work off as well. So if Hoyland holds the ball up, Rashford makes the runs in behind, I think that will be good. I don't think that Rashford suddenly becomes a much better option. But if you're someone that's been on the fence about holding him, I think this is a positive sign. And obviously, Fernandez last year really underperformed in terms of expected assists versus actual assists. Part of that reason was probably not having a focal point like Hoyland. So there are definitely reasons to be kind of positive on Man United right now. But it's definitely not a reason to go out of your way to bring them in. Like, if you've got Fernandes and Rashford, you don't have to sell them. But I wouldn't necessarily rush out to buy them. Same with Hoyland. But I am quite excited. The time when I'm really looking at him, and I am looking forward already. I know I'm thinking too far in the future. But it's probably from game week nine onwards. I've spoken about the possible wild card then. Like, Chelsea's fixtures get bad. And we probably are going to need a cheap striker alongside Haaland. Unless you make sacrifices elsewhere. If you want Haaland and Salah. If you don't, different conversation. But I think that fixture run... Like, the fixture run now is pretty good. I've spoken before about being able to hold on to Man United players long term. But from game week nine, it's Sheffield United away, City at home. Fulham away, Luton at home, Everton away. That little run from game week nine to 13 looks really good. So if you don't want him now... You might want him in the future, especially if he looks good over the next few games. Let me know in the comments below if you're already thinking about it. So I just want to go through some quick notes from the weekend's games, one of which is about Trent Alexander-Arnold. He did go off injured against Aston Villa, so that is one to monitor. I know he's not quite as highly owned as he has been in previous seasons, but there's still enough of you out there. If he does end up being a doubt for game week five onwards, then I think the easy swap is probably to Trippier or someone like that. But obviously keep an eye on other attacking moves that you might want to make where you might need the money. So for example, if you've got an Eze or an Inburma or someone like that and you want to go up to Son... It could be worth downgrading Trent to someone much cheaper. Ultimately, with injuries in general right now, I wouldn't panic on them too much because obviously we are going over an international break and sometimes injuries aren't quite as bad as they seem. It's just that clubs want to keep players away from international duty. Now, I'm not saying that's what's happening with Trent whatsoever. That is just kind of a side point. So no need to rush. I know some prices are changing and stuff like that, but if you can, wait until much closer to the deadline. Alvarez and Foden, for every game they've been fit and available for, have played 89 plus minutes, right? I know Foden didn't play against Sheffield United, but we know he was ill. That is quite interesting. Whether or not that means they're going to be completely nailed moving forward, I don't know. Champions League is about to start up. I know their group is quite easy, but there could still be rotation around that. And obviously, they have got plenty of other players they could play as well. I think ultimately that one of those two players is always going to play. I just question whether both of them are going to play. And I know some of the narrative is, well, De Bruyne is out, so they need Foden's creativity. But last year when De Bruyne was out, it was usually Alvarez that played. So how do we know that Alvarez isn't the main man without De Bruyne rather than Foden? In which case Foden has to try and compete for a central spot or on the right or on the left. And the fact that he can play in multiple positions is good, but it also means there's lots of other players to compete with as well. So I think if you've got those players, you hold them. Whether or not you bring them in, I'm not sure. Like, Foden in midfield in particular, there's lots of other good options. I still think Sterling is good. Madison, obviously, Son, just to name a few. Up front, it's maybe a little bit different. If you don't fancy a punt on Hoyland, you don't want to go on Jackson, then maybe you look at Alvarez. But for Foden, I'm a little bit less sure about that. 
With Chelsea, I know massive knee-jerk after Luton didn't go well against Nottingham Forest. Stats don't tell everything, but they did put up 2.3 expected goals. We've all seen that clip on social media of Jackson missing the Sterling chance. That goes in. Nobody is talking about Chelsea whatsoever. But of course, it's football and it didn't. So there is a bit of a worry because that was one of their better fixtures. But over the next four, they've still got Bournemouth, Fulham and Burnley away. So I wouldn't worry just yet. And in terms of their defence, they only conceded 0.8 expected goals, which is not that bad. I've seen a little bit of worry about Chilwell. We spoke about him on the stream yesterday. I'll just reiterate again. I've got no concerns with him whatsoever. Yes, he's come off around the 60th minute twice. And at some point, maybe he comes off before 60 and misses out on a clean sheet. That would be annoying. But both times he's come off, Chelsea have been chasing the game and he's been on a yellow card. And I just think while he's still playing left wing, that is too much to give up from an FPL point of view. At the start of a season, if I tell you there's a defender who's going to play as an attacker, he's one of the first names on the team sheet, right? Especially someone like Chilwell that we know can be very uh, very good in terms of goals and assists too. I know it hasn't happened the last few games. With the fixtures they've got coming up, even with the amount of away ones, I would still want him in my team. And I think the worst case scenario is that he doesn't play left wing and he plays left back instead because that's where he played all throughout preseason. Obviously, that's his usual position, but he can still be attacking from that starting position, right? So I'm not really worried about him whatsoever. It's a bit like the Trippier conversation. There's not a huge amount of standout defenders this year, at least right now. So carrying Chilwell for a few more games seems perfectly fine. If you want to sell him, I don't really have a massive issue with that, but I've not even given it a second thought, to be honest, apart from having to talk about it in videos. Uh, Nunez and Gabriel finally started. Possibly Gabriel started because Zinchenko's back. Possibly he started because Party's out injured. Either way, it probably looks good moving forward. So if you've still got him, and there's probably not as many of you out there now, but if you have got him and you need him for Everton away, that is probably a perfectly good fixture to play. And I've got Saliba, and unless I bring Trippier in, I'm going to play him in that game for sure. And then with Darwin Nunez, he was probably, like he had a lot of chances. If we have a quick look at the numbers from that game in particular... Yeah, 1.14 expected goals. This is classic Darwin Nunez to get that many... Sorry, to have that many chances but not score a goal. But he's still got two assists. One was off the post, to be fair. This guy will get you points if he plays. The only question is ever minutes. And the problem for me is he was great against Newcastle when he came on. He's done great against Aston Villa. But he's played really well before and then not kept his place. And that's what I worry about. And okay, Wolves away and West Ham at home are pretty good next two. And for what it's worth, by the way, if Trent's fit, you might as well keep him for those two games. But then it spurs away and Brighton away anyway. So I just don't know if there's a rush to go out and get him when a lot of people have like Alvarez or Jackson up front. Like, is Nunez better than both of those players? He is probably if he gets minutes. But there's always that slight doubt there. So I'm not sure if I'm going to jump over uh, to bring him in. Jump over to bring him in? That doesn't really make much sense. But you know what I mean, right? But from game week nine onwards, when I'm talking about possibly wildcarding for Salah... I will need other Liverpool options, probably. And Darwin Nunez is going to be right up that list. But for him to constantly play number nine, it means that Jota or Gakpo aren't playing that role. And I just don't expect that to happen in every single game. So, yeah, he's great if he starts. But unless you're confident on that, I probably wouldn't bring him in. And just quickly, Edward has started all four games for Palace. They didn't bring another striker in during the transfer window either. So if you do need a cheaper option, you don't want to go for Jao Pedro or Morris or Ferguson. He's someone else to consider as well. I can actually remember... Yeah, the, the Chelsea... Uh, sorry, Chelsea. The Crystal Palace fixtures are actually pretty good because obviously Eze is someone that people have held on to. So next four, it's Villa away, Fulham at home. 
Man United away in game week seven and Forest at home in game week eight. Even after that, right, Newcastle away and Spurs at home, a bit more difficult. But then it's Burnley, Everton, Luton, West Ham, Bournemouth. So if you do need a cheap striker, Edouard is definitely someone to look at. Only 5.5. He's played 90, 90, 70 and 89 minutes. But obviously they do have Mateta there as well, who so far has only come off the bench in the last two games. But he could get a start at some point. So I know, like, I feel like this season is just a constant talk about minutes. But obviously they are really important for FPL. And it always going to eventually just depend on how your team is set up. If there's any other notes you think I've missed, leave me a comment below. Obviously, if we need to go into more detail about this and other stuff, there's loads of videos to come over the international break. I'm going to try and talk about wild cards as well. If you've enjoyed that video, make sure to give it a like. Hit that subscribe button. I'm trying to hit 400k now before the end of the season. And if you listen on podcasts, make sure to rate five stars on whichever platform you're listening on. And if you want to check out Fantasy Football Hub, as always, links are in the description below. I'll catch you again soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.